Welcome in to the Meltdown presented by MyBookie, broadcasting live from the Culver's studio. I am Tim Melton. We're broadcasting on YouTube, Facebook, X, and Twitch. Appreciate you being here for day three of the show. A little bit more of a, a somber show today, especially for me. I lost my dad yesterday, Charlie Melton. Uh, he was a, a dedicated man, dedicated to my mom. Uh, they recently celebrated 53 years of marriage together this past October. He was dedicated to our country, having served in Vietnam and participated in the Tet Offensive. Uh, he was dedicated to our home city of Birmingham, Alabama, having solved a number of homicide cases alongside his detective partner, Morgan Knight. And even after all of these years, they still have quite the reputation for the way they were able to get the job done from the ground up. They were a great team and both impacted and saved countless lives with their work. My father eventually, with the disability that he developed at the hands of Agent Orange, which was the most extensively used herbicide in Vietnam, had to turn over his badge as chief of police in Graysville. And you know what? He could have given up right then, and I wouldn't have blamed him, having lost his professional identity, but he did not. And he did what he had to do to secure his retirement and provide for our family. And he never let the stress of his work affect me directly. He fought for victims of crime and their families, and he fought for our family until he no longer could. We didn't have the traditional father-son, let's go play catch in the front yard sort of relationship. His physical limitations prevented us from having that lifestyle. Uh, he became obsessed with the newspaper and radio and television news. They spoke his language. And uh, they covered his world of street crime and global conflict. That's what he was interested in staying a, a part of, learning about, trying to solve cases. That's how his mind worked. It's what he knew best. It was definitely his communication style as well. Art was never an escape for my dad like it is for so many. And the things that he witnessed were rarely, if ever, discussed. My mother is the one who loves music. My dad couldn't carry a tune. But my father knew that I loved film, video games, and music, and he always supported my passion for those mediums. I could always pick the rental from the video store that weekend with no argument. He trusted me with that duty. He drove me to the nearest theater in our area that was about 40 minutes away and would drop me off for double or triple features every few weekends. I would actually do my homework that I had for the weekend in between showtimes. And while he didn't love movies, he literally helped fuel my love of them uh, by bringing me to them uh, without a single complaint. He always uh, was right back there at the theater ready to pick me up. When, I'm sorry. When I started driving, I took him to go see the movie uh, Cars, and it felt like a movie that he could enjoy without feeling too much stress. It was a great day, and while he enjoyed it at the time, Stepping into my world, my dad wasn't the, the type to reminisce about story-driven content. He had to get back to the news. So that's why I went into broadcast journalism. You know, if I could make it in, in one of those three avenues, either print or television or radio, then I felt like we could connect in a way that we'd never been able to before. So in that same semester of college, I interned at ABC 3340 here in Birmingham, where his favorite local TV anchor worked who was Pam Huff. Sorry, Jim Dunaway, you were a close second. Um, I became a senior staff writer and editor for UAB's Kaleidoscope newspaper, and I got my first job in radio, working with dads and also my favorite play-by-play -play man ever in Eli Gold. Uh, my dad was the type that would turn the TV down and try and sync up Eli's voice with TV. Eli recommended that I get a special kind of radio that has a delay so you can set the device itself up with his play-by-play and we uh, bought one, and my dad loved using that on Crimson Tide game days. Eli was such an important voice in our household and so important to my early career growth, and I wish him the very best with his next chapter. I met John Lunsford, who is my co-host of this show in the radio world at the time. Uh, he's been my Morgan Knight. We've developed a reputation of getting the job done from the ground up. Uh, we've made a great team. And it started with a silly little show that we called The Midnight Meltdown, and uh, we did it twice a week from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., and then later 9 p.m. to midnight. It's my favorite project that I've ever done. I've spent 13 years trying to get back to it, and my dad has 
you know, with no exaggeration. Listen to all of it. 13 years. And I'll miss him. I know that he's proud of uh, us reuniting and getting a chance to do this. And I know for a fact that John and uh, our boss, Reed, would have given me the day if I'd asked for it. Maybe I should have. Who knows? But I I wanted and needed to be here today doing this job uh, that my dad loved me doing the most. In a way, it is uh, most fitting to honor him by being here. So, with that, there have been hundreds and hundreds of messages that have come in on social media. My phone has been blowing up with texts and calls. Uh, I will return each and every one of those, I promise you. But I'd like to thank John Lunsford, uh, Rockstar, who's here with us in studio today, and Tyler for being here. And at the risk of being totally jarring, I'd really like to try to have as normal of a show today as possible and get to uh, do what I'm so excited about doing and building alongside all of you and with you that are watching and listening. So with that, Rockstar has the tough task of pulling out his guitar and performing a little ditty for us, which is our Lunces List theme song. And today's topic will be one that uh, talks about a very influential decade, the one in which I grew up in, the 1990s. We'll give you the topic here in just a little bit. What is this? What is this? Lunces List? What is this? Oh, what is this? Lunces List? What is this? Lunces List? Oh, Lonsies list of fire, Lonsies list of fire. Come on now, Lonsies list of fire, Lonsies list of fire. All right, that was beautiful. Lunsies list today is the five '90s movies that made the biggest impact on John Lunsford. Going back to the 1990s, which was a simpler time in our country. Um, John, how did you approach this list today? All right, so. Uh, Everybody always asks me when it comes to Lunce's list how I approach it, and um, each one is different. With this one, it was, look, we, uh, you know, not Tyler, but me, you, Rocky, grew up in the 90s, and, you know, that was kind of our first introduction into movies, and that was kind of our um, time to figure out what we liked, what we didn't like, and, you know, how to um, approach media as a whole, TV shows, music, everything. And so, you know, I, I thought, okay, before I look up movies and say, oh, I forgot that one, I forgot that one, let me just name movies right off the top of my head. I know are not only, you know, uh, movies that are impactful in my life, but movies that I know were, you know, uniquely 90s. And I came up with probably six or seven that I knew were 90s. And then I was like, okay, let me go. I'm sure I missed some. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that was 99, not 2000. Oh, that was 90, not 89. And I slowly but surely came up with a list of 23 movies. And I'm like, okay, Tim. Told me to do twenty or to do five, not twenty three. I did not tell you to do um, twenty three for sure. Literally been five our entire career. We've been doing this, but uh, yeah. So I, th- I thought, okay, you know, what are the five? And you know, really, it was kind of easy to choose five of those first group that I thought of right off the top of my head that I know they're a unique, uniquely nineties and b they're the first movies that came to mind. Obviously, those are the most impactful to me, so that's why I chose them. So, um, yeah, that's how I came up with the five movies here on Lunce's list. All right, let's go ahead and start off with number five on Lunce's list as Rocky. I know the nineties were very influential for you. There were, and I'm just, I, uh, I'm super curious to see what he, these are impactful to Mr. Lunsford over here and to see how I compare to, Oh God. <laughs> what is this one? Uh-huh. I can't see anything. Uh, Titanic. Okay. Can I make an admission? You've never seen Titanic? Don't say that. I've never seen Titanic. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's only one of the biggest and greatest movies, not just I know, the 90s, like, but of all I time. Know I know the biggest moneymaker. I get it, but, you know, it's just, no. I, Our former colleague who was in the chat with us on Monday, John Saber. He also has never seen Titanic, and I don't know I if don't it's just like a producer it, thing. Or. No, it's not. Here's the thing. Now it's now it's to the point. It's like when um, Godfather. You agree that's a great movie? Yeah. Uh, no. Well, I think it's overrated, but One and two, whatever. it's considered a great movie. Yeah. There is a time where you miss the boat. Titanic, sadly. Um, wow. Where that was, that was a bad pun. That was well. Really you you kind of want to miss the boat for this one. 
I guess uh, technically, yeah. Yeah. So if I told you, Tim, let's say you've never seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest movies in the 80s ever, and you watch it tonight, do you think it's going to have the same impact on you as it did for the most people that saw it in 1986? No, but I would counter-argue with, I think Titanic is timeless because of the time Correct. period in which it's set in. I and, and I think at every movie on my list, I would say that with, because there are a lot of movies when I thought, oh, I love that seeing it when it came out in 1994, because I was a kid, a kid learning, hey, this is something, I like that, I, I want to watch more of that. But now, I go back and watch it and even realize, eh, maybe not so much now, it's hard for me to say, okay, let me introduce the next generation to this. Yeah, But... Titanic is definitely not one of those movies because they just re-released it. Uh, I agree. Massive I know, I know this, I guess it's it was a bad a argument ago. on my part was, for the Ferris Bueller thing, but this is a massive, massive, massive movie that James Cameron made a lot of money off of, and he's finally delivering those the fifteen-part Avatar series that we can watch. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, there was a story about Titanic where the whole entire cast and crew got sick off of clam chowder because there was some sort of disgruntled employee with the catering company that got fired and decided to. Taint the clam chowder, which is not something that I thought. Clam chowder is already tainted by itself. Yeah, really. Taint the clam chowder. Put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and it got the whole cast and crew sick. And I mean, that was just one of many things that were reported on that were leading industry experts to be to saying this is going to be the biggest bomb of all time, and it ended up becoming the biggest movie of all time. Well, because I think people thought it was going to be the biggest bomb. Like, we already know what happens. It's yeah. like they're going to do Abraham Lincoln's going to go see a play. We know it's going to happen. Uh, so I think that was a big thing, but I'm no disrespect. I'm not saying this is a stupid movie. I'm just saying like, I feel like I missed the boat. I just, uh, I don't see myself watching Titanic tonight so because of the fact that I haven't seen it in the chat. We'll take your uh, suggestions. Is it too late for Rockstar to watch Titanic and get enjoyment out of it? Is it too late? Uh, let me also say this part of the reason I put it on my list. It is timeless because seeing it a year ago, uh, my wife and I went on Valentine's day to see it cause they did a re-release. Now you can look at it and say, yeah, there's like CGI characters, but this is 90s when that wasn't really a thing yet on the boat when it's from afar showing the whole boat. And it's like you can tell it's characters are a little pixelated, you know, people walking around. You can pick it apart now if you really wanted to. The story works. It introduced Leonardo DiCaprio to most people. It wasn't his first movie, but it introduced him to everybody. I would argue Growing Pains is what introduced Leonardo DiCaprio to most people. Maybe you could make the argument, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? But I don't think that the would be one the one I feel he should have won an Oscar for was What's Eating Gilbert Grape, well, not The Revenant. And that's probably the one, and The Revenant are like the only two I haven't seen that he's done. Didn't Tommy Lee Jones win for The Fugitive that year? Wasn't that that same year? Well, it was Best Supporting Actor, yeah. right? Uh, I, yeah. I don't Pro- think you can take it away from Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive but to his, give it to Leonardo DiCaprio That's there. true, but out of his whole body of work, I argue that Arnie from What's Eating Gilbert Grape, his, his, um, he was amazing in that role. And not The Revenant, he just woke up in dreams. You haven't seen Titanic. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, but, so not only did it introduce Leonardo DiCaprio, I think it changed James Cameron Kate Winslet introduced Kate Winslet. It did introduce Kate Winslet. I just feel like if you say actress, a lot of people put Leo one. I don't think anybody puts Kate Winslet one. That's not a shot at her necessarily, but it showed the range for James Cameron because pretty much everything he had done to that point was sci-fi and action. And this is a total departure from that. Now he's gone back to it because Avatar is all he's doing now. But um, it kind of showed, hey, James Cameron's got a little more range. He should be, I mean, not that people like Terminator, people like True Lies. There's other movies out there that he did, but this shows, look, he can do it all like a Spielberg can do, like these other directors can do. You know do. what's very telling? And that is the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio, Cra- Di- 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 <laughs> sorry, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, likes to work with the same directors over and over again. And yeah. him and James Cameron have never worked again. And right, yeah. I think it's probably because that was a pretty tense set. Leo did not want to do a, a, a test read for the part. He just wanted to be given the part. And he wasn't there yet. James Cameron was like, you've got to read for the part. I'm sorry, but I'm not interested. It doesn't matter how many people saw Growing Pains or how many people saw what's Romeo and Gilbert. It was coming off Romeo and Juliet, I'm guessing. But the minute <laughs> Actually, we almost watched that last yeah, night. The minute that he read for it, Cameron knew he had found his Jack Dawson. And, you know, it's a lovely story now, but I'm sure production on that was the most miserable production to be a part of. It's the of. clam chowder. Is the tainted clam chowder. All oh, right. Also, last thing on Titanic. I think, and this may be a bad analogy, but I started thinking about it. I think Titanic did for I guess you called it a disaster, you know, movie with the the, the oh, yeah. crash and everything. But it did for that what a movie like I feel like Godzilla minus one this year did for monster movies. Humanizing the people that are actually involved in the situation. If I think of some like the perfect movie that it's not about the boat sinking, 
It's about the effect the boat sinking had on the characters that you're following. You watch a Godzilla, an American Godzilla movie now, it's just about Godzilla blowing stuff up yeah. and fighting Kong and stuff like that. It's not about the people that are involved in it, but Godzilla minus one, why it was such an incredible movie for all of us to go see, is it really humanized the people that Godzilla, and it humanized enemies of World War Two as well. That That's what made it so good. I'm not saying that has anything to do with Titanic back in 1914, 1912, whatever it was. But I feel like it did a really good job humanizing the story you're telling and also, oh, by the way, the boat sinks, yeah. and it's about them as opposed to just let's just make the boat sinking this crazy spectacle uh, as opposed to let's focus on the people trying to get on the life rafts, life rafts and get out. I remember the VHS I was most excited to ever purchase was that of Titanic because it came in it the, double. Two, the double yeah. VHS. It was like a block of Titanicness. So does it just say like – Please insert side two now. Like, yeah. it, oh, wow. It really you know, does say, please insert tape two or whatever. At the end of the first one, you're like, okay, here we go. And you know things are going to pick up dramatically when you insert did, tape two. Where did they break? I want to say they broke right after the, um, right after the ship hit the, hit yeah. the iceberg. I yeah. believe that's where it was. Um, it is kind of a first and second half because as the ship hits the iceberg, not to spoil it, but I don't know if you're going to watch so it. So it, it did hit the iceberg. As okay. the ship hits, hey, they, they could have tarantino did, I yeah. guess, and, you know, had something completely different happen. But as the ship hits the iceberg is also when the story of Jack and Rose kind of takes its turn into, you know, we don't want this to be a relationship anymore. Jack's a peasant. He needs to go away. The whole thing is like he's a peasant. She's rich and anything. Anyway. Bill Hader got fired from his movie theater job because he spoiled the ending of Titanic for people who had not yet seen it. And that it crashes. That she wasn't big enough for the door. That Jack. He wasn't big enough for the door. That Jack doesn't make it at the end. That she says, I'll never let you go, but actually let you, lets him go. Well, there's that too. But <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. Mm. Let's uh, move on. Never to mind. This is not on the list anymore. Let's move. Hey, Zach, real quick though, yes. John, are you eating a lot of clam chowder these days on way to wellness? Is uh, that part of the program? I'm not eating clam chowder, but I mean, I guess if it makes me throw up, it, it would help, but no, look, way to wellness has been incredible <laughs> for me. Worst <laughs> intro I I into this make, is possible. I tried to make some kind of uh, funny joke. It always backfires, but what doesn't backfire is me going away to wellness. It's been incredible for me so far. I'm close to 40 pounds. I weighed today. I'm one more pound away uh, from hitting 40 pounds lost, and it's been incredible. Leslie and her whole team have done an incredible job with me. Go to a planforme.com there, and um, I, had a, I had a dream last night that I messed this read up, and I said a planforyou.com instead of a plan for me. because it's, like, it's not a plan for me. It's a plan for you because Jim Wallace says that in his read, but it's a plan for you and it's a plan for me. Well, now I'm more confused than ever after hearing all of that. <laughs> I had a dream that website, John? I had a dream we were doing the show. It's a plan for me.com. Go, go there. And um, yeah, look, Way to Wellness has been incredible for me. I, I've lost a lot of weight on it. It's been an incredible program. It's literally only been a little over, I guess today is five weeks uh, on the program and I'm almost at 40 pounds loss. Uh, uh, they've done an incredible job getting my, uh, you know, uh, Eating habits changed. They've done an incredible job with, you know, just getting my life habits changed. As an offensive lineman, I developed a lot of bad habits when it came to eating, getting stronger, stuff like that. And it kind of carried on into into uh, the rest of my life. So go to a planforme.com. Leslie and her team there have done an outstanding job. My dad's been on it for about a year. He does great. Obviously, Jim Dunaway here has done it for a long time and has done great with it as well. All right, let's move on to number four on Luntz's list. We already have a lot of your comments coming in of what should be on the list. And I have a feeling some of you have already struck gold um, based on what I'm seeing. I think at least one of these. I think I have one that is an absolute lock to be on this list at some point. Will it land in the number four spot is the question. But uh, some people wanting Starship Troopers. I don't think that's going to He's end up being on a different color right now, too. Uh, Tommy Boy, Black Sheep. I don't know if those oh, are going to okay. be on there. Blade and Demolition Man. Face off, Conair. We've got a lot of your choices coming in. Let's see here. Number four, The Lion King. Now, for those that are confused, this would be the animated version of The Lion King, which came out in 1994. Believe, Sorry. 1994. I, I was going. I was ready to jump in. It's okay. Honest admission for me? Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, can I, I go over, over five on my list? No, no, but no. I, I had not seen it till this year with my son. Okay. okay. Well, Did you me, like it? Did it hold up? Very, well, we watched the remake first. We watched the digital, the, the newer one first, and then we watched the. My wife had me watch the cartoon one, uh, the Disney version. But so yeah, that it was good. That was a did good you film. know the story before you saw it? Yeah, though, of what was going to happen, all the different plot points. Yes, and I don't know. It was a good film. That's I'm not one of these ones like ah, I'm not watching a stupid. No, like it's just I never saw it. I was I think Aladdin was the last Disney animated movie I saw 
until uh, before Pixar and all that stuff. Tyler, Lion King was before your time in terms of its original theatrical release, but does it hold up still to you as one of those childhood movies you have to watch? Oh, of course. Yeah, uh, Lion King 1, 2, and 1 and a half, oh, yeah. if you ever had that DVD. That's a deep dive. That's so, a deep dive. If y'all can leave those out, it's okay. We had a teacher, it was my choir teacher in school, that was obsessed with playing the Lion King for us whenever there was a day where the VHS machine would come out. Except it was always Lion King 2. And you could tell there was a... <laughs> they didn't have the rights to one. It may have been one and a half now that I think of it. It actually may have been one and one a and half. One and a half is the one that does it from the other perspective, right? Yeah. And the two is the... Like, yeah, one no. and a half focused on uh, Timon. Timon and Pooh, yeah. Yeah, but I was like, why can't we go original Lion King here? It's such a better quality film, you know, it and is. it has the whole different. But anyway, shout out to Miss Hughes. Um, let's get into Lion King and why it's so important for you, John, because I'm more of a Beauty and the Beast guy. So, That's you know, now I, I will say I like the Beauty and the Beast live action better than I did, what? if you want to call it live action, Lion King. Oh. Just, just, just from of like live action movies that Disney's done. I think jungle book's the best. Then I'd probably go Beauty and the beast second. It's hard to compare jungle book and Lion King. Cause it's basically straight up CGI, but beauty like and it. the beast that remakes still the highest grossing movie ever to release in the month of March. And that is going up against <laughs> what a fact. It's the truth. And it's going up against some huge heavy hitters as well uh, in the month of March, but yeah, that's and, a big and one. the way movies are now, with uh, all what we talked about yesterday, I don't know what'll pass it in the month of March. I don't know that Dune. I mean, yeah, I don't think it will because Dune's got to make it well over a billion dollars to pass it, and yeah, I don't think it will. But, um, but no. So the Lion King, a great voice cast. Um, you know, James Earl Jones. I know when it comes to voices, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> yeah, even though he didn't sing. Um, but the iconic music, Elton John, Tim Rice, and doing that kind of led into Aida, which is uh, one of my favorite Broadway plays of all time, um, and because they did the music in that as well. Um, everything about it's just kind of iconic. It's one of those things you can look back to circle of life. How many times have you held your pet up in the air? Like you're, you know, uh, Rafiki holding up uh, Simba. There's just a, a lot of, th- I've done it a lot. Um, That's one good way to get your eyes clawed out. Yeah. Is holding up your cat. Like it's, I, I remember uh, at the last UAB game I went to this year, it was, there was a Simba cam and I held up my daughter and yeah. she's also a giant. We have a giant family. It's a little different than when she was a baby. And uh, I held her up, and I was everything was hurting, and she's screaming. <laughs> it's Jolly Green Giant and Sprout, little and Sprout. I'm I'm holding and I'm doing this number, and she's shaking, and they never put us up. Let's say you never got on. We the, never uh, got up there on the. We were, we were just at the home. We were never actually at the game, but yeah, I don't think it didn't work. I'll say this for the Lion King too. I was seven when it came out, but it's like the first coming of age movie that I really remember watching as I was getting into that point of coming of age, like. Because it is very much a coming of age, going from a little kid, you know, yeah. a little cub to, just grow, can't to wait growing to be up. King. Yeah, and then, of course, you know, Hakuna Matata, when they see him kind of growing up on the log as they're going along. So that, uh, that's one of the few things I remember. Of all the coming of age movies that, like, once you come of age, it's cool to go back and watch it or maybe see it through your kid's eyes or something. But, like, as a kid, that's one of the first ones I consciously remember watching. It's like, this is a coming of age movie as I'm starting to get to that point in life. We just had to do a diorama of the East African savanna at home and I put on the Lion King for inspiration this past awesome. weekend or whatever. And it was like, just how do we copy the images? Cause one beautiful thing about that movie is the color palette constantly changes yeah. throughout. Yeah. Sometimes it's blue when it needs to be blue. It's pink when it needs to be pink. It's, you know, it's a Brown. It's, it's all different colors around all the time and it works thematically. And it's a, it's a really a beautiful movie for sure. I'm just more team beauty and the beast, but we have another Lion King movie coming out this year. Y'all know about this? Yeah, the Mufasa movie. Mufasa movie's coming out this year. So you didn't mention that already, did you? No. Okay. But I mean, I was I, making I, sure. It's one of those that, once again, the, the live action one was, I mean, it's fine, but it was, it was, my biggest problem with it was it was basically shot for shot remake. And I feel like Beauty and the Beast took a, a few more liberties with the live action. All, all, most of the other movies, I mean, Little Mermaid did that last year, but Lion King was almost shot for shot. And I didn't like the fact that they did that. Yeah. Well, uh, now they get to go off script, unless they're going to mimic. Lion King one and a half, which is a movie I had to watch in choir over and over and over again. All right. I'm so sorry. Let's go. And by the way, if you're a choir teacher, sorry, this is very critical this many years later, but how goes the music in the Lion King? The music from the original Lion King. Can anyone name a single song from the other two movies? I don't think so. But the Lion King, there's hit Same after music. hit after hit. Because it's just the other way around. It's just coming from a different angle. I don't, I don't know, know if we just Akuna had Matata a, again. Maybe, yeah. maybe the public school system just had a very low VHS budget, but come on. The yeah, I don't Lion remember, King. but surely they sang Akuna Matata again. 
in that one because it's from their angle. Yeah, I think all of the songs were the same, but it was just from Timon's perspective as Simba's going through his you story. Just, you can just hear the you know screaming at the beginning of Circle of Life off in the distance because they're not actually there. Did, they, they didn't get invited to see Simba get held up. I didn't think that Tyler's commentary would trigger me as much as it has, <laughs> but it certainly has. All right, number uh, three on Lunch's list. Once again, if you're just joining us, we are looking at the most impactful movies from the 1990s according to John Lunsford for himself. So this is called Luntz's List for a reason. We're just here to disagree with the way in which he had his upbringing happen, I guess. All right, number three. Oh, this is the one that I thought was the lock. This is Saving Private Ryan, right? Oh, I was Saving Silverman because I was going to say Can't that. be Saving Silverman, I don't think. I think that was, wasn't that early 2000s? Yeah, it was. Uh, probably 2000, 2001. That's not making any list of any kind that Saving you Saving Private Ryan. I knew this was going to be on your list. This is one of your favorite movies of all time. Yes. Is it the second best Spielberg in your movie, in your opinion, because you love E.T. so much? Yes. It's the second best More than AI. Spielberg movie. I actually love AI, and oh. it's probably a top five Spielberg movie for me, but wow. no, I would say Saving Private Ryan, and I'm one of the only people I know that thinks that, but uh, yes, it's second on uh, E.T. This is a huge movie of the 1990s, obviously starring... Tom Hanks, you got Matt Damon in there, you got Vin Diesel in there, who yeah. you really like. See, liked. that's the thing about this cast. I, I, it's been a while since I've watched it, but I was watching a – they do a thing. I don't remember who does it, but a lot of actors do it when they have a movie come out and they go through their whole career of like, hey, you remember when you did your first movie here? Hey, you remember when you had this iconic your first iconic role or whatever? So they did it with Paul Giamatti this year because yeah. of the holdovers. And when they get to Saving Private Ryan, it's like, I forgot Paul Giamatti was even in that. I randomly saw something about Brian Cranston being in that. I forgot Brian Cranston. Ted Danson. It's Ted Danson's in it. It has, this sounds weird, and maybe it's not the right way to phrase it, but it has a massively underrated cast because you think Tom Hanks, you think Matt Damon, you think the, the title people of the movie, but like you get to the Vin Diesel's, you get to Giovanni Ribisi, you get to uh, Barry Pepper, who may, may or may Tom not appear again on this list. Tom, Tom Sizemore, who just passed, just passed away, right? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of people in this that you just don't think of when you think name the iconic. Like, every movie that I've named here, you can name iconic people. Titanic, you can name Leonardo DiCaprio. I guess Lion King, maybe not quite as much. But James James Earl Jones, not him. But James Earl Jones is close. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So, I talked about this earlier on in the show. My dad was not a movie person, right? And this is a show honoring his legacy. This is one of the few movies that he had to see opening weekend. And he went and saw it. And I can't imagine watching it. He loved it. But he watched it alone, wow. and he didn't know how he would handle it, uh, being a war veteran himself. But, you know, a lot of people, this is their, what they considered to be their favorite war movie. And I'm pretty sure it's right up there for you, if not number one. It's it close to the top. Um, my personal favorite uh, Spielberg movie, just because we're on the topic for five seconds, is Jaws, which is why we have this lovely uh, piece of history up here, but we'll get into uh, Jaws at a, another date. But And that's why I have an E.T. Well, you can't, probably can't see it, but there's a little Funko Pop E.T. right yeah. there, which is why I have that yeah. and not one of Matt Damon. Did, Steven, he, do, did he do The Adventures of Tintin? Um, I don't think so, did he? I thought he, I think was he attached he did. to that? I think he? he may have produced it. <laughs> wow, that's a very <laughs> random... That's to, The fact that I know less about that than Lion King one and a half is yeah. uh, actually quite uh, insane there. Uh, Tyler, have you seen Saving Private Ryan? The Adventure to Tintin in 2011. He did that in War Horse in the wow. same year. I saw War Horse. I actually saw War, War Horse. a lot better than that, yeah. I have seen Save it, Pri- Saving Private Ryan, and it is probably one of the best war movies I've ever seen and that's coming from someone who isn't really a war movie guy. Yeah. I like Saving Private Ryan, Apocalypse Now, and Fury, and that's about it. Ooh, Fury's rough. Apocalypse Now is one I need to see. See, I'm not a war guy either. That's what really turned me on to, hey, war movies are actually decent. Now, it came out when I was younger. I didn't go see it in theaters, but um, watching it after the fact, watching it a lot after that, 1917 is probably my number two just because I'm film. crazy about the way it was filmed. It was, but, um, that it was, was gimmicky, but it, it really it, – really worked on I don't almost I almost don't want to watch it a second time because it was so perfect the first time I'm with you make sense yeah I'm with you okay real quick I had a saving private Ryan question for you I know what it is I'm going to turn John into the villain here okay you ready I'm going to turn you into a villain is this going to trash Vin Diesel no it's going to trash you oh you believe fully that Shakespeare in Love should have won the Academy Award. I was going to bring that up. As it did win the Academy Award for Best Picture that year, when the entire rest of the world believed Saving Private Ryan should have won the Academy Award for Best Picture. I believe this was in 1997, right? A, 98. 98. 98. 98. Yeah. Wait, you think I think it should? Have, Shakespeare in Love should have won? You told me that. 
I never said that. Uh-oh. You totally told me that. <laughs> Why would I want Shakespeare in Love to win over one of my favorite movies of all time? You said Shakespeare in Love deserved. My wife to win probably that. thought that. No, you told me that. No, I don't. We're about care. to have all of these conversations. I don't recorded. care anything about Shakespeare in Love. I've never seen Shakespeare in Love. That's what? Not true. <laughs> I've never seen Shakespeare in Love. Okay, well, I'm. I, we're going to have uh, to talk about this off the air because I'm pretty confident. I must, that, must have been Dale that said that. You've never seen I mean, Shakespeare in Love? No. Okay. Must have been somebody else. I have else. no desire because it beat Saving Private Ryan. And who was it? Who I don't know. It? Anyway, you know who I bet I'm it sure was? sure it's great. I don't know. I bet it was Matt Murphy who I was having that conversation Probably with. Probably was. He has bad taste. I don't know. All right, let's move on to number two on Lunce's list. Now I'm the bad guy for misremembering <laughs> a conversation. Even though I'm going to have to do some detective work in my own head. My wife just said she never said that either, so I don't know where that came from. Um, all right, number two. Number two. So here we are in the 90s. What song around this time was like your go-to rock star? Well, the was 90s was my jam, 1995. Like, I, I, can't, I, just, I couldn't stop naming give songs. Me, give me maybe a 90s movie with a tremendous soundtrack. Singles. Singles? Yeah. What was the big song off of that? Well, it, was, it had Pearl Jam. It had Alice in Chains. It oh, had Soundgarden. It had Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. It had Mother Love Bone. Uh, and it was a good movie. It was a Cameron Crowe movie. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen that one? I have not. I'm not. Matt Dillon, Bridget Fonda. You can't be, I mean, you are the guy who haven't seen, who hasn't seen Titanic. You're the movie guy. Yeah. Forrest Gump, number two. This is one. It's just, this is Tom Hanks on a fiery run is what this is. So Tom Hanks in the 90s. Tom Hanks in the 90s. I wouldn't be shocked if Toy Story's number one somehow. I, um, it's one of those movies that I've seen probably one and a half times and I can quote nonstop. Uh, which is crazy that I retained that from, what, 94, which is also the same year as The Lion King. Yep. Uh, 94 is a good year for uh, Lunsford. Um, the one thing I always remember about this was that John Travolta was up for the part, but he said no because he was going to make Battlefield Earth. Whoops. <laughs> and they gave it to Tom yeah. Hanks. Uh, great film. Crazy thing. Uh, Bubba Gump Shrimp Company, you have that, you know? Here's, I, here's one of the biggest reasons it – it's one of my top ten of all time, but here's one of the biggest reasons for me. It's because um, the way you phrased it was not just best, which these probably would be five best, the five that had the biggest impression on me. And that's probably why Forrest Gump is ahead of um, Saving Private Ryan for me. Is for me, who I was seven at the time, this is the first time on the big screen with a massive movie that a lot of people saw, won a bunch of awards, that Alabama was represented on the screen. There we go. That's... Not only the state of Alabama, but the University of Alabama, which at that point I had already been going to games for three or four years with my parents. Grew up an Alabama fan. My dad went to Alabama. I went to Alabama. And so it was the first time that I saw, and I know there were parts of Alabama, obviously, that are fictionalized, but, like, that's the first time I saw our state, both negative and positive, represented on the big screen in a movie with, and, of course, introducing me to plenty of actors like Tom Hanks, Robin Wright, Sally Field, a lot of people that, as a young kid, I didn't know necessarily who a lot of these people were that then I would go on to watch over and over again my entire life. My question is, did you walk out, I think I did, walk out and ask your dad if, uh, does he remember that Forrest Gump played for Alabama? Like, did you take a lot with a a modicum of truth? I don't think I asked him that. That guy had an interesting life. I don't think I asked him that, but I'm sure I did ask questions about the overall, once again, both positive and negative things that it brought about Alabama, but... Of all the scenes in Alabama, I probably did ask him, hey, did this happen? Did this yeah. happen? Event-wise, not like, hey, was Forrest Gump, Gump the greatest, you know, uh, you know, return man on kickoffs ever for Alabama? Uh, Forrest Gump, that was Robert Zemeckis, is that correct? Behind yes. Forrest Gump. And then yeah. they reunited for Castaway a few years later. And I've also, always... Haley Joel Osment, too, introduced me to him before then Sixth Sense came out a few years later. Oh, yeah. What are you watching? Bert Nerney. Sally Field. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, another another really good cast there. Um, I think uh, Forrest Gump is going to be popular with a lot of people in the chat, for sure, as it makes number two on Luntz's list. I want to go ahead and get us to number one, the movie that you would say has had the biggest impact on you from the 1990s. While John is writing that out, um, we would love to support those that have given back to our country when buying or selling a home. Remember our friend Jim Wilson with Location Real Estate. Jim is all about honesty and transparency with his clients. He's still active with the U.S. military and is dedicated to everything that he does. Jim is only happy when you are happy. Each of Jim Wilson's clients has his full attention and devotion to get what they need and want, not only 
during the home buying or selling experience, but every day after, he's an advocate for you. Whether you're buying or selling, contact realtor Jim Wilson with Location Real Estate. That's location with a K at 205-329-4758. That's 329-4758 or visit jimwilson.locationre.com. All right, oh number my. one, The Green Mile, another Tom Hanks movie. Uh, another Barry Pepper movie, too. Yep. Another uh, Spielberg part, part of the reason I brought him up. Same about Ryan. It's like, and Barry Pepper, who may make an appearance again. Did uh, Was Toy Story close to being on this list? Because um, Toy Story is part of the 23, I will say that. Talk about <laughs> Tom Hanks dominating Luntz's list. I have a feeling you like Tom Hanks, John. Tom Hanks in the 90s? Yeah. I mean, lately he's fallen off a little bit. I mean, look, he's still, gonna, he's still a good actor. It's just... He uh, plays Tom Hanks in movies now. He, I mean, he does. I mean, Tom the movies Hanks he chooses. plays this. Tom Hanks plays this. You know, it's like the movies he chooses aren't necessarily like, oh, I got to run out and see that. But uh, Gosh. no, Tom Hanks in the '90s was the thing. And look, I don't like horror movies. Yeah, as my wife just takes it Stephen King because I'm not going to rush out and see yeah. anything Stephen King. Uh, you know, it's behind the story of, but he does get away from horror every now and then. And this obviously has a uh, you know mystical fantasy kind of element to it, but uh, not a horror movie per se, depending on how you want to define horror. Um, and this is one that I didn't rush out to see, but my dad, I didn't see it in theaters. But the minute it hit shells with VHS, only on one VHS, then <laughs> he went and picked it up at Blockbuster. We watched it, and I was sold after that. Um, and that did get me into learning about Stephen King and respecting what Stephen King has done, even though I don't care when whatever horror movie comes out that he's attached, you know, it's off his books. But... It also introduced me to Michael Clark Duncan as well, who was incredible. I think he lost to Michael Caine that year, maybe. Um, the Oscar, yeah. Um, Which, by the way, Michael Caine was not at the Oscars, was he? Because he ended up, he was shooting. I honestly don't remember. Well, what year was this again? So it would have been in 2000, but it was 1999 was the year the movie came out. No, that was another Oscars. Um, I think it was Michael Caine, but anyway. Um but Michael Clark Duncan was incredible. That he's one of those I really liked. Movie choices weren't the best. I'm not, gonna, you know, Marky Mark's Planet of the Apes, or uh, you know, he played whole King. Nine he told on yards, which is right, he did what he did right after the Green Mile, or like he played Kingpin in the uh, Ben Affleck Daredevil movies. But got a little better on you know Talladega Nights. I liked my guilty pleasure movie that's everybody considers awful is The Island, which is a Michael Bay movie with Ewan McGregor and Definitely Scarlett Johansson. Guilty pleasure movie, and yeah. she and he's in that. I love that movie. I'm probably the only person on the planet that says that. But he's one, like, that acting performance is up there. It's one of the best I've ever seen from just that movie, what Michael Clark Duncan did. I mean, they all, everybody was good. And that was Sam Rockwell is kind of an introduction to him um, for me because he had done stuff but not, like, super big that I would have seen as a kid. Um, every, everything about this movie is just absolute perfection. And it's one of the first movies I can remember, like, you know, you know the truth, but something bad ends up happening at the end anyway. And I guess I'm kind of spoiling it, but, like, you know, seeing the visions and seeing like, Hey, this is actually a good guy and he's wrongly accused and all that. Like that's just something I hadn't really seen or read or anything. Cause I was 12 when it came out that it was just kind of fascinating to see that whole angle play out in the movie. So there we have it. Luntz's list. Number one, the green mile, number two, Forrest Gump, number three, saving private Ryan, number four, the lion King, number five, Titanic. Would any of these make your personal top five Rocky? I would say saving private Ryan would be the only one that would make mine. Titanic would definitely make mine. I'm not sure any of the others would. Uh, I loved Independence Day. It was a huge movie that in the 23 just shaped me very much in 1996. Um, Should I just name the others so I we can just just say, throw them out there so that okay, way I'm, I'm at least the chat will be satisfied because they're throwing out a lot of different 90s movies. So the one that just missed the list that I fought back and forth with to put on the list with Titanic, believe it or not. Is Varsity Blues from 1999. Mm, you I love, love that movie. John I love Knoxon. Varsity Blues. It's Ali Larder's birthday today, which as after I wrote this list, they brought up Ali Larder on uh, Four Downs today, even though they only did three of them. Yep. Um, Toy Story was next. It, it was, I guess, number seven. The Matrix, 1999. Um, I fell asleep was, in The Matrix. Uh, I did. Um, but just because it was so revolutionary when it came out. Office Space yep. would not have been up there until probably – seven or eight years ago because I realized everything that happens in office space is 100% true. Mm -hmm. Office space holds up so well. Yep. It does. Like it, it was. Samir Nain and Najad. It's not that hard. Nain and Najad. Michael Bolton probably still mm -hmm. getting royalty somehow off of that. It's <laughs> yes. an amazing movie. It is incredibly true too. everything about it. Um, 
And then Jurassic Park uh, rounded up kind of my next five uh, of movies. The other ones that were close, The Iron Giant, love that one. Billy Madison, Big Lebowski, Bicentennial Man. Once again, I'm probably the only person on the planet that loved that movie, but that's my favorite Robin Williams movie. Independence Day, Good Will Hunting, Beauty and the Beast, Rudy, The Truman Show, Goodfellas, Silence of the Lambs, Home Alone, and the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, there you oh, go. There you I was go. waiting for that. Uh, no Shawshank? I have never seen Shawshank. It's yeah. one of those, you just mentioned, with Titanic. Yeah. The moments kind of pass for it, and I know everybody goes back and it's like, but it's like one of the great, like with Titanic, it's one of the greatest all time. Yeah. You got to watch it. It's like now, it's like that's kind of one of those I want to keep in my back pocket of like I haven't seen it and I don't really care it's to go. See so it. overhyped, there's no way it's going to live up to the hype for you. There's Correct, which is what happened with The Godfather chance. with me because yep. I watched it for the first time a few years ago. Same with me. And it's like you just can't match the hype that this movie has. So I'm going to say it's not as good as everybody is just losing their mind over. All right. So there we have Luntz's list. Appreciate everybody contributing there in the chat. A lot of different choices being thrown out there of maybe what should made made the list, including from your wife, who believes uh, Blair Witch Project is. When I told her this is the list, that's literally the first thing she you said. Talk about influential marketing campaigns of the yeah. 90s. And I remember all that. Blair Witch Project's number one. Was that Number the one. launch of the found footage films? Because that's one thing. Mm-hmm. That's one genre I'm ready to stop was the found footage. Because yeah. it's just too I love Cloverfield, movie. but it's not something I want to see all the time. It's good every now and then. Okay. I want to get into a brand new segment on this show that we have not yet done, but one I am resurrecting from uh, News and Views, which is something I hosted for a couple of years here in my most recent venture. It's called 10 with Tim. I've got 10 questions. I need 10 answers. And... I have a panel here. I thought you I actually thought you were picking up the guitar. I was going to. I was going Go to ahead. Pick. Give me a little ditty Tim about it. It's called Tin with Tim. Give me something that's gold right here. You're gold? I can give you What pirate. is this? What is this? It's Tim with Tim. Ha ha. Tim with Tim with Tim with Tim. Tim with Tim with Tim. T-I-N-O-T-E-N. It's Tim with Tim. It's Tim. Got you. Keep it. You'll never be able to do it the same way. I that tomorrow. Nope. We'll rewatch hey, this episode. Some of the best songs that you do is when Jim's like, "Hey, we're gonna do a segment next, next break, uh, next segment. Come up with a song for it, and you just come up because with because you it don't think fly. about it too much. But it isn't being funny, and so it fits. So I like it. Ten with Tim. Uh, I've probably had about ten dental uh, procedures done over the past year, uh, thanks to the staff at Alabama Dental Associates. I put it off for. I mean, this isn't a. Now I sound bad. I put it off for about ten years. Uh, I had a horrible dentist experience where not only did I get drilled too deep on, but then they took out the wrong tooth to try to fix it. It was a nightmare. It was absolutely awful. And Alabama Dental Associates has restored my faith in not only dentistry, but humanity. And I recommend that you visit my friends there at Alabama Dental Associates. They provide specialized care in both general and cosmetic dentistry. While they're well-trained in the latest techniques and use state-of-the-art equipment, they never forget their number one priority, which is friendly, personalized care for their patients. You can visit them right there on Grants Mill Road. Make an appointment today, 205-956-8977. It's very important that you don't put it off as long as I did. 956-8977 956-8977 with Dr. Brian and Dr. Jeff there at Alabama Dental Associates, alabamadental.com. All right, number one on 10 with Tim. The question is going to be, Tyler, name a deceased actor or actress that you still wish was making movies today. Robin Williams. Robin Williams is a great choice. Mm-hmm. His death was one that was shocking to everyone uh, it was a uh, a time of great mourning when Robin Williams left, and he made so many people laugh, smile, cry. Later on, he did dip into horror and scared a lot of people with one-hour photo. He was great in Christopher Nolan's Insomnia. He was really a uh, jack-of-all-trades. And if you look at the 90s, I mean, when you talk about the biggest stars of the 90s, Tom Hanks is definitely up there. Robin Williams has to be a part of that conversation as well with Aladdin and Mrs. Doubtfire. You could keep going on and on and on. Um, Rocky, I know you like the choice already, but name a deceased actor or yeah. actress that you wish was still making movies today. You're going to have to come back to me because I was going to, first thing I thought of was Robin Williams. Well, that's fine to go with that answer too. I'm okay with duplicate answers, but tell me why. Well, because he was so versatile. To be able to do Goodwill Hunting and then to be able to do a movie like Jack and Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, Good Morning Vietnam, 
so the birdcage, ver- dead poet society, stuff like that, where he was so versatile that you, whenever they said he had a beard or whatever, he was a serious actor, but then going to the horror genre later on, that's incredible like, to be Adam Sandler's one way. I know everybody says uncut gems, but like, he's one way he's comedy for him to be in a serious role. People will laugh at, but Robin Williams could get away with both. I mean, it doesn't get better than him doing Popeye. Oh, well, movie. I think it does get better, that actually. It was an awful movie. Uh, Jody says Philip Seymour Hoffman. That, that was going to be my, my No. That was going to be my answer. How does every, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is already, the segment's already done because everyone keeps. I had written Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman to remember. It's like, somebody going to say that. Now, okay. to be clear, they don't know the questions I'm asking. So you wrote it down in between this. Well, right if you were going to ask me the same question. But, I'm going to ask that. you the same question. But right. one that I'm curious about, not that I necessarily wouldn't want them making more movies, what they would have done afterwards is somebody like Heath Ledger. Oh, my gosh. Can we get a shot behind Tyler here? Because there's actually Heath Ledger sort of trending right now. Yeah. And we have him uh, right there playing the Joker behind Tyler. And it's an iconic look for sure. But Timothy Chalamet, who's one of the biggest box office stars in the world right now because he has Wonka in the top ten. He's about to have Dune Part 2 coming out uh, officially this week and is going to have two movies in the top ten. He said that the advice that he got from Leonardo DiCaprio was don't make superhero movies and don't do hard drugs. Those are the two things in career, his I like career. like how hard drugs is second. <laughs> it was. It was well, second. Yeah. And Timothy Chalamet said, I'll follow your advice. But now is saying, you know, I may have to break the thing on the superhero movie rule that Leo gave me because Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight is what he says gave him the acting bug to even be a part of this because it was so it was so much of a transformative role and performance that Heath Ledger gave. And if you go back and you watch The Dark Knight, it still holds up. It, it has overshadowed the movie even with how great of a performance it is, and he definitely deserved the uh, Best Supporting Actor Award there. But that is a conversation that's coming right back up again, is Heath Ledger and his impact and what we would have got post-Joker Correct. if we'd been given the opportunity. So that's a, a great mention there. Number two. On Luntz's list, Luntz's list. Number two on 10 with Tim. I'll get my own segment correct here soon. Would you rather have, John, an unlimited gift card to Olive Garden or Red Lobster if you're not on way to wellness? Uh, Olive Garden. Olive Garden. Olive Garden. I don't eat fish. I mean, not Olive Garden 100. I'd just be eating the cheese biscuits if I was at Red Lobster. Red Lobster. I love seafood and the Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Okay, Tyler going with Red Lobster. Uh, I'm probably more of an Olive Garden fan there, but they're part they're, of the same family. They train so they their care. chefs in Tuscany. Like, <laughs> they do. Correct. And when you're there, you're family. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. We're going to move on to number three before we get a cease and desist. We've already gotten plenty of those. Number three, what is the fastest you think right now, Rockstar, you could currently run a mile? Uh, if I had to do it like right after the show? You have to do it right now, right after the show. I think I could get a good 10, 15, 10, 20. 10, 20. 10 minutes and 20 seconds mm-hmm. uh, for the mile. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tyler? I'm going to go 11.30. Okay. I'm not going to say you just moved each one of those barometers up by one unit, but it sounds uh, like that's what you did. Is Okay. <laughs> he said 10.20 and you said 11.30. So uh-huh. one more minute and 10 more seconds. Yeah. Uh, John? Uh, let's see. So right now it is, as we're recording this, uh, 2.48 on Wednesday. So Saturday? <laughs> okay. <laughs> There we go. But with John's friends at Way to Wellness, that is going to change here very soon, I feel In like. In a year, ask me the question again. I will. I will. All right. What color grapes? Or me? Yeah. Oh, no. Sunday. Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Did you see me out on the basketball court? Did you see me? You ran around a lot more than the two I of us. I used to did. run a lot, but I don't run anymore. So you don't attend poker nights, Rockstar. You just, you've noticed. Okay. But the talk <laughs> of the poker table was, did you see the pass that Rockstar had? Over the back of his head, where he called, you called my name out, mm-hmm. and he got the pa- pass there perfectly. That was you the talk to of the it. discussion. You had to catch it, though. So <clears throat> you were fifty percent of the equation. Like oh, I could, had to catch it and put it I, in. exactly. It yeah. could have hit the rim. It could like you could like had no idea. I remember when Pistol Pete started, it, people he was doing that, and nobody was catching balls because like I had no idea you were going to pass it to him. So they all looked terrible. But it's fifty percent of the equation. The pressure was on you because if you missed the shot, you didn't get the assist that or missed the catch. Doesn't, doesn't count. Yeah. Thank you. You guys yeah. giving me the proper credit. I yeah. appreciate that. Um, what color grapes are the best, Rockstar? Uh, the darker colors. I don't like. I'm not a green grape fan. Uh, the darker ones. They're. Uh, I can't. Remember. There's one new one called Moondrops. If you guys have had those, they literally look like egg, little eggplants, and they are a dark color. But they are super sweet. I am not a tart fan. I think the green grapes are more tart. So I would go. 
motherfucker. Y'all tried the cotton candy grapes? Yeah. See, I was going to say it's green awkward. grapes, but I hate those. Yeah. I hate the cotton candy yeah, ones. My wife loves them. She gets them all the time. And I'm like, ooh, green grapes. Nope. Not, yeah. I don't it is those. a fake out. Yeah. It is. Uh, Tyler, what color grapes are the best? So, like Rockstar, I don't like the tart grapes. I don't like green grapes. So, I'll go red grapes or the cotton candy grapes. That so, you'll take whatever, fake John out. whatever cotton candy grapes John doesn't want. Or the grape Laffy Taffy. Uh, what is this answer to this question? It's the Saturday morning of your childhood, John. What's on the TV and what cereal are you eating? Uh, I'm eating Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I honestly wasn't a huge cartoon guy in the mornings, uh, like Saturday morning cartoons. I liked when they brought Doug back on ABC, I believe it was, when I guess Disney took that over. How did um, that theme song go again? Okay, let's stop that. Yeah, that was it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember, so I, I love Doug on Nickelodeon, and then when they brought that back, I liked it. That was one of the things that got me watching Saturday morning. Other than that, it was video games for me, or of course, football season. I would just, you know, sleep until 11 and then watch football. I would do this thing where I would be eating Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and I put in a VHS copy of The Mask uh, with Jim Carrey. <laughs> oh. And I did that every weekend. For I don't 17 hate the math. So years. random. 17 years in a row I did that, and I finally broke my streak, and uh, now I have a family. What's mm. on the TV, and what cereal are you eating in the Saturday morning of your childhood? Okay, that's that was my jam. So I'm going to go to two things. Ninja Turtles had a cereal that was basically rice checks and marshmallows. It was awesome. And then having a sister, Smurfs actually had a cereal that was incredible. Uh, it was a Smurf Berry Crunch or something like that. And I would watch uh, Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, He-Man. Uh, in later years, I tried to watch the X-Men cartoon, but that's when I first noticed that, oh, my God, after every two minutes of content, they do six minutes of commercials for the X-Men cartoon. So that's a long-winded answer. But, yeah, Smurf Berry Crunch and uh, Ninja Turtles. Matt says Spider-Man animated show and Peanut Butter Captain Crunch. Ooh, that was good. Never been a Captain Crunch guy. Still eats the roof of your mouth, but it's it's good. Yeah, Michael says I was watching X Men and I'm eating Captain Crunch. Uh, you have Russell that says uh, Quisp and Quisp Bugs Bunny <laughs> and Roadrunner. Russell, you're dating yourself just yes, a little bit. Like 1948. Oh my gosh, we were eating <laughs> hay, hay bales. Steamboat Willie. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, let's see here. We have Richard who says Golden Grams or Apple Jacks is what uh, he was eating. Tyler, what was the cereal? What was the show? My favorite cereal is Captain Crunch. You can only eat about a bowl, bowl and a half before your mouth is <laughs> Alabama done. Alabama Dental Associates. Yes, yeah. before you, you need our friends at Alabama Dental Associates. And uh, for the Saturday morning cartoon, I would either watch Tom and Jerry or Pokemon. Okay. Oh, wow. So Dating yourself gap. reverse style. Yeah. Yeah. You and Russell, if y'all had like a Freaky Friday situation where you had to swap <laughs> lives, it would be very jarring for both of you. What is this? Uh, number six on 10 with Tim. I know it's 10 with Tim because Lunce's list doesn't have a number six, which is how I know we're in my segment. That is correct. John, what planet other than Earth interests you the most? So, probably Jupiter. Is there a reason? It's just its size? Its size... Um, it's one of those because I feel like I, I, I'm not a, I went to space camp one time, so I don't act like I'm an expert. Most but. people went zero times. So I'm not sure throwing that <laughs> yeah. up. I've only been to space camp. I've only won one. Oscar. But the red, the red dot on. <laughs> That's the worst excuse I've ever heard you make. But anyway. when, I'm not saying it, but it doesn't mean I'm an expert because I went to space camp once. That's why I'm saying it. But the red dot on Jupiter, like I would love to see that from surface level. Like, that, well, there is no surface. It's, but it's like a, from it's a, what would be. It under. is a massive just gas storm. Yeah. So uh, like to see it from here, that's one thing, but to like be in it. It's like you watch you see the hurricane from above, but like then you see the crazy winds yeah. while, you know, it's a Jim Cantor or whatever is trying to hold on to <laughs> a, a yeah. light post. It, you know, I'd love to see like what planets like that are on the planet, which yeah. we'll never get in our lifetime. What planet other than Earth, Tyler, interests you the most? Uh Neptune always inter- interested me the most. I always just found it fascinating that it, there's just a bunch of oceans there. I, I don't know how it would be useful to us. It's though. another gas planet. Uh, is it not? There is. There's I a, think it is, yeah. There's another gas giant. Don't. But they had moons. I think everybody's Neptune's and Saturn's moons and Jupiter's moons are the things that interest him because of the ice and yeah. uh, 
Actually, I used to be. Well, at I heard from Tyler they have water and they have tridents. Is yeah. what I heard from Tyler right that's, there. That's a good. Is that not true? I didn't. I I didn't go to space camp at all, so don't <laughs> quote me. Yeah, we can tell. Uh, Rockstar, what planet other than Earth interests you the most? Well, back in the day, it was Saturn because of the rings. Uh, but it's another gas giant, so there's nothing you can really do. Uh, I guess it would be what is it? Venus. That's the only one that rotates counterclockwise. The only planet in our solar system that rotates counterclockwise on a different axis. I went, to space, for I went to space camp, so let me Wikipedia it. I think it's Venus. It's either Venus or Mercury. Is Pluto, Pluto's no longer a planet, right? No, it's I'm, a, I'm a Pluto a dwarf guy. Well, see, I thought about saying that, and then you're going to be like, who's not a planet anymore? I'm but a Pluto defender. I, I, I am too. Bring Pluto back as a planet. That's what we all need in our life. Uh, so, I'm probably, so probably Venus, and it's supposed to be super duper hot, like rain's acid. Yeah. I mean, it's not, nothing you could really enjoy. Surprised somebody said Uranus is a joke or Mars. Because it's like the one that if we go to a planet, yeah, we, we that would be the next logical, logical choice. Uh, we've got our next question here, and that is number seven. seven. How many fish would you say you've owned in your life, Rockstar? How many fish would you say you've owned in your life? Personally or like a family? Both. Because I think my brother in high school had like three fish that died. I think I had a goldfish, so I would say four. Four. Rockstar is given his answer. Tyler, it's time for yours. All right, I had uh, two beta fish. One's name was George, and the other, and the other's name was Squidward. Oh. Did you put them together? Uh, no, no. This was one after the other. Oh. If you put two male uh, beta fish together, it's it's bad news. Right, it's gladiator but part three there. I did get a uh, pet shrimp to put in with the first beta fish, and I named him Scrimp. But uh, he didn't make it through the night. George killed him. Oh wow. my gosh, <laughs> George is vicious. This is. Taking a turn. Such an al- he was an alpha beta. <laughs> he was. <laughs> uh, how many fish have you owned? I honestly have no idea. I want to say I've had a goldfish or two that you get at the state fair or something, but I honestly don't remember if I had any fish or not. So no one currently has a fish? No. 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 God, it's been should at least we, a week. Should we get a meltdown fish and have it in studio? We just like put the, the tank over here on the yeah. shelf? Yeah, sure, why not? You think that's a good idea? Yeah, one of us could take it home each weekend, like in first grade. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, he doesn't like the idea. Class goldfish. Do you find it relaxing to cut grass, Rockstar? Yes. I am a one, I love visual results. Um, I can vacuum. I worked at, my first job was a uh, car wash, and I was the one that I could vacuum cars all day before detailing because you immediately see your results. It is exhausting, but mowing the lawn, I don't mind doing it. It's just our yard sucks, but it just takes forever for me to do it, but... Seeing your results immediately is it's really it's, gratifying. You don't get it in our in our work. You no. don't get to see that no. immediately, especially when we were on the radio side. Correct. You just every day you're going in and you're completing tasks and you're trying to entertain and all of that, but you don't see those immediate results. Correct. You're you right. There is something rewarding instant about gratification. That. Tyler, do you like cutting grass? No, not at all. I used to work for a landscaping company. Hmm. And so I would have to uh, mow the lawns outside of a church, uh, get rid of all the weeds, edge, and do all that. And I never want to do it again. This is the weirdest. This is the weirdest thing I can say about my grass mowing lifestyle, and that is that most people they play video games and it motivates them to stay indoors even longer. I played Lawn Mowing Simulator on Xbox. And fell in love with it, and it motivated me to get out there and cut my own grass. And you're the one person it reached. Like (laughs) I'm telling you, people, if we get this game, it's going to influence kids to mow the lawn. Tim's our guy. Lawnmower Simulator. I went out there and I was like, "This is like doing the real thing. This is like the VR experience." And it's hot (laughs) as hell. And it was hot, and it was rewarding, and it. And I've cut my grass for years now because of that, and I've uh, been a big fan of that that game. It was a gateway drug to me, actually. Doing yard work, John. Do you like cutting grass? Uh, no, it kills me when I go out there and do it. From from allergies, grass is the thing I'm most allergic to. So, I did it for a little bit, then realized I would come in and balloon up every time I'd come in and do it. Took an allergy test, and that was the end of that. So, no, awful. That's a good Hate excuse it. for never have to do yard work. I would if I could. It's I great. Really, I want to so bad to pick those weeds. I just can't. But I mean, do you want me to die? That's yeah. basically what he has like, to do. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. All right, number nine. We're gonna. I think we're gonna get to all ten. Who up here at the office, John, has the best laugh, in your opinion? It can be anyone in this room. It can be anyone that works for Disrupt Media. Who has the best laugh overall, in your opinion? It would be Rockstar. When something's truly funny, 
Oh, wow. And like you have a radio laugh when you're yeah. like contributing to whatever the segment is. I mean, look, we all do it. Yeah. But like, don't give away industry secrets. But like when something's truly funny and I've caught it on video a couple of times and you just lose it, yeah. you have the best laugh. Oh, thank you. I would go with Kelsey because that's when I pick up on we have a delay if I say something or somebody says something, you got that good 10 seconds and then it reaches Kelsey and you get that laugh. So, <laughs> and she's behind Lunsford, the best sneezer. Kelsey always, she, have you noticed she always like covers her mouth when she's about to yeah. laugh? Like she always, and then it's a tell. You, you get some shoulders. There. It, is, it is finger up like that. It's never like it's, that. Yeah. It's like, always like Dr. Evil kind of thing. It's very, very funny. It makes me laugh to watch her laugh. So yeah. that's a great choice. Tyler, who up here at the office has the best laugh? Uh, I've got to go either Kelsey or Mr. John Lunsford. Wow. I hate yeah. my laugh. I hate my voice. I hate everything about coming out of my mouth. I hate my sneezing, all that. So I don't know. But actually, people in the chat are saying I have I have a good laugh. You have too, a so. tremendous uh, laugh, John. And it's because a lot of us will be down the hallway when you guys are doing the next round, and we'll know something is about to be funny because we're watching on a little bit of a delay when we hear your laugh echoing down the halls. Yeah. So, and it's normally to something that Rockstar has said. Normally. Yeah. Hey, it's better than hearing my sneeze down the hall. Yeah. yeah. I haven't sneezed on this show yet. It's coming, no. I'm sure. This is the final question. Tim, you didn't answer. I have to give the answer, too. It's my second. Well, sometimes I, I'm curious. Okay. <laughs> I think the best laugh up here at the building is going to be Ryan Brown. I think Ryan Brown's laugh is really good. Now, sometimes I wonder, you know, is it authentic? But it fools me every time if it's not. Well, Lance is a silent laugher. But Lance doesn't. Lance is like. You can tell Brown, he's laughing. Brown he, has he to get into position to laugh. He's Brown like, turns red. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like he, he has to yeah. he has to get in a safe spot. Yeah. <laughs> and so that always makes me chuckle. So Ryan Brown would be my answer. All right, number 10 on 10 with 10. Final question. How often, Tyler, do you get frustrated on Highway 280? Every day. <laughs> uh, for anybody who's new to the show or uh, new to seeing me on any of these shows, Sometimes I run uh, deliveries uh, after I'm done editing or done recording stuff. And uh, 280 traffic is no fun when you've got to wait in it and get 20 miles down the road to somewhere you've never been. Even sometimes when you're not done editing or done doing stuff, you're, you're making deliveries on 280. Uh, sometimes, not nearly as much these days. It's a very exciting time. Uh, Rockstar. How often do you get frustrated on Highway 280? Uh, a lot. I don't like the wrecks because the problem is the, if there's a wreck in the middle of the road, it's the people that wait to merge to the very last second, and then you're stuck. Like, I can see, like, oh, I got to get right. I got to get right. And these people are staying centered. They're not getting right. And then I have to wait. And it's just that stuff. And then I accept the majority of it. I don't live on 280, so I don't try. I try to avoid it as much as I can. But... I've been in Atlanta traffic, and it's nothing compared. That 280 is nothing compared to Atlanta. John is a very nice human being, but he's a very angry driver, and I think he'll admit that. He lets road rage get the best of him sometimes. Not where he really takes it out on anybody, but internally in the car, there's a there's a type of fury. I mean, I take it out on the people that are – like, I, I'm – road rage is going to get me one day. Like, I'll, I'll say that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to catch up to me. I take it out on the people. They just obviously can't hear me. They probably can see me doing it to them, but – that is where I feel like I'm pretty nice most of the time. And when I have to let out pent-up aggression, driving is what I do. Um, you've driven with me a lot to see that. But I hate 280. I get off 459, and where our office is right off 459. And so I'll consider it. I mean, it's a stretch of a quarter mile of 280. But the merging is the absolute worst yeah. because there's three lanes now and getting off 459 and going, I guess, south on 280. And there's three lanes, and there's one lane that we get into to turn right. I guess you and I are really the only two, I think, that come off 459 the way we go. Do you take 459 at all? Oh, no, I avoid it. So, like, we're the only two, I think, that really have to deal with it. But you turn right, and then you have to turn right again. And in doing so, everybody gets over all the way to the right, and then they have to get back over multiple lanes to the left. It makes no sense why they do it. And so every time I get over to the right, and I, I, I have done it every day that I have worked here and come to work, I count however many cars are in front of me, and I, I guess how many are going to get over and realize, hey, I'm in the wrong lane. i got to get back over to the left. So you get off the interstate, you get right, and then you have to get right back left. There's zero reason for you to be in that lane whatsoever. And every day it's multiple cars 
that are in front of me because it's coming in right at the beginning of the work hours. more passionate about this than Green Mile. And <laughs> like I said, I take a lot of, I, I yell a lot in the car. But, uh, and then 280, that's maybe not what you're talking about, but 280 going to Auburn. Yeah. I've made that trek a lot. And obviously anybody that went to Auburn made that trek a lot. I'm sure Tyler has. That's once you hit like Harperville, Dadeville, those areas where the cops are sitting out, the traps make me. You don't like it going from 55 miles an hour to 20 miles an hour <laughs> yeah. to 65 miles. You that like makes that? you rage because no. even if I don't get caught, I've gotten one ticket. I think the whole my whole time driving that. But even if I don't get caught, it's still like, what is wrong with you? Why are you? Why? Why did y'all make? You know, why did the department? I don't know who makes who makes the speed limit. Is that Department of Transportation? I don't know. But like whoever makes that, why did you make it go from 55 to 35? over a hill where you can't see that it's about to change and you forget about it because you're on a two-hour drive down to Auburn. It's a speed trap. I hate. I know it's a speed trap, but it's like, it's so stupid, and I'm not going to like it. I never will like it, and I will always yell and cuss about it. I've totaled one car. It was my own, and it was on Highway 280 on Valentine's Day 2012. And uh, 280, I've always driven it with fear ever since. One place on Highway 280 that I recommend you go is Culver's, where Highway 280 meets Highway 119 off of Cahaba Valley Road. They're in the Tattershall Park development. You can uh, welcome yourself there to Delicious by going to Culver's. It's the best way to kind of get over the road rage that Highway 280 may provide to you. Get down there and have a lovely butter burger or some fresh frozen custard or some Wisconsin cheese curds. They've got a great menu for you there at Culver's. And, John, I'm pretty sure back tonight you'll be playing again on MyBookie. I am. Uh, a couple of hockey games tonight I've already taken a look at. Uh, go to MyBookie.ag. Thanks to them for uh, being the title sponsor here of this show. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with our friends at MyBookie and just added a bunch of new live casino games there as well. Uh, I was checking those out last night. All you got to do is go there, click Live Casino, um, Make your first deposit. Use code next round. When you use that, you'll get a first deposit bonus. You'll get a little extra to play with in those live casino games. They have blackjack. Uh, they have roulette, which I know you're all about. They have a lot of games there for you to go and, uh, you know, try to make a little money there. And also plenty of sports, horses, lots of other stuff on there. So go to mybookie.ag. Use promo code next round. We appreciate Rockstar and Tyler being here with us today. We're looking very forward to Dune Part 2 coming out. Tomorrow evening, we're going to go see it and have a full review for you on Friday of whether or not it's worth your dollar. This has been The Meltdown, presented by MyBookie, broadcasting live from the Culver's studio.